Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And the only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds. And today on the pod, I'm talking to Andrew Torgashev, who was the 2015 junior champion. And he's just a really talented kid in the world of skating. Thanks so much, Andrew, for coming on today. Of course, Polina, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm super excited to chat with you about the lovely sport and life of figure skaters. (laughs) let's get it sick <laughs> yeah so I really admire your talent in skating and I'm stoked to have you on today tell us how you started skating I know your parents were teaching you uh but they were ice dancers right so did you have extra technical coaches when you started or was it just them I mean I started you know how it is with parents and skating I was pretty much on the ice as soon as I could walk uh, but my parents didn't start uh, working with me until I was, you know, maybe six and I was on the ice at three. Uh, and my mom was an ice dancer and then my dad was a pair skater. So they had some technical expertise. So uh, my dad was more of the jump coach in our camp and my mom was our skating skills and choreographer. Uh, so that's kind of how we started. And we're just ever working and uh, getting better. They had other skaters aside from me that they also um, worked with and took to regionals, sectionals, nationals, et cetera. Cool. That's really awesome. Just be, since your parents were ice dance coaches, why did you decide to be a single skater and not an ice dancer? If that was kind of. The... Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we can always go into ice dancing uh, later on in our careers. Uh, I feel like usually every skater starts into singles and I don't know my body was just smaller and I also found like just skating on my own very enjoyable and challenging you know learning the jumps was it it wasn't easy but it was like a very fun challenge for me and as I kept working I was able to get those jumps and you know I just stuck with singles because of that yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
That's cool though. It's great that you had such expertise for skating skills in your team since a really early age. I think that's super important for all skaters to develop. Same like same thing. I had Sergei Ponmarenko and Marina Klimova, who are ice dance champions in my team since I was six years old. And so they were really emphasizing all the little toe steps and all of the really deep edges and everything um, before even doing all the jumps. Cause at that age, we're not really able yet to snap as hard, right? Like we're not doing triples at eight years old, but we can do senior moves in the field at that point or, you know, whatever. So. Yeah. And it's so important to just know how to skate and know how to find joy in skating, you know, just edges, you know, what's that like? Exactly. You have to love just gliding. It's a Mm -hmm. big part. Well, at 13, you were junior national champion and we were all really impressed with your talents and how well-rounded you were as a skater at that age. But after you won that title, unfortunately, you kind of disappeared a little bit. Uh, You got injured in the summer, right? So let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. What happened? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I was uh, training quads to get better, step up into the senior ranks with some harder uh, technical jumps and you know how else are you supposed to learn quads except for just you know trying to add another rotation to the triple you know some some attempts were better than others but sadly uh, I just came down rough on one of them and ended up uh, having a fracture with displacement at the bottom of my tibia it wasn't the greatest end to that day but you know that that's the sport and that's every sport you gotta roll with the punches and that's what makes you stronger so I had a surgery where they put the screws in to you know let my ankle heal properly and honestly it probably took me a year to feel back to normal I got the screws removed after six months and I had taken that season off Uh, Because even after trying to come back in time, I was just uh, having minor re-injuries to my ankle, whether it was just a sprain or just a twisted ankle due to the fact that it was just uh, a week from being off the ice. But I still had goals of competing that season, Uh, but my body just wasn't allowing it. So uh, it was in my best interest that year to take that season off and to have those screws removed in another operation. So not until six months after that operation did I like feel like I was back to skating. That's so tough. That's a long time. And a lot yeah. of like rehabilitation, right? Because it's not easy to come back from an injury like that with all of the screws and everything that goes in. Yeah, I mean, I was so young at the time that I wasn't going to let it be a career ending injury. Mm-hmm. And not, nor was uh, my mom because she you know, was supporting my ambitions and my goals. I knew that I could come back from it. It was just going to take time. But again, I was young. So uh, what was the point of rushing it? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's way better to have a slow recovery, make sure everything's going well, um, and then get back into it because re-injury is also super, super common with skaters when mm-hmm. they push too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very frustrating as well. You know, as, as an athlete, you want to get back to doing what you love. You want to get back to challenging yourself and getting better, but your body just doesn't allow it. And 
you know, being able to convince your emotions that this is for the better and that I really can't push my body now or else I'm not going to achieve my goals in the future. Yeah, exactly. Listening to your body is so key. Like that's something that I learned way later in my career that I wish I knew earlier because we're kind of trained, especially when we're young, like machines, like just go, 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 do, do, do. Mm -hmm. And when you are young, your body is pretty malleable. So even with the little minor injuries, things that hurt, you know, one day, it's just something you push through and then your body kind of gets right back on track. But as you get older, it's not really how it works anymore. And I think that's what separates older athletes, the more elite from uh, the younger, more junior skaters, or even not necessarily skating, any any sport. Yeah. Uh, when you have a smaller body, obviously, you can do more things easily. Yeah, exactly. And there's less fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know too much about life at that point yet. Exactly, exactly. That's funny. Let's talk a little bit about your competitions in the past. So just like in terms of the way that you've competed um, since that title and everything going on, like let's talk about skating consistency. What do you think about your own skating in terms of performance in competition? What do you feel about your consistency? I feel it could have been better. <laughs> I, I totally um, don't mean that in any like any way whatsoever it's solely just no you, know, give you, you, the no, you <laughs> no of course of course no it's an important question to ask because if anyone's watched my skating myself included that long program is tough sometimes you know I'd say my biggest change was from being 13 and you know before that doing long programs at the younger levels it wasn't really an issue. The long programs were like uh, two minutes, three minutes max. And even junior was uh, three and a half minutes, whatever. But I think my technical capabilities at that point were very minimal to what I was trying, you know, later on in my career. So I was really training what I could do uh, when I was 13. But as I came back from injury I wanted to be more competitive in you know junior grand prix and senior at nationals uh being able to do a quad axle and you know not have those problems and now looking back there were gaps in the training there were uh you know I don't just don't think I was as prepared as I could have been why that is I'm not too sure maybe I was really focusing and putting a lot of time and effort into learning new jumps and not really training the programs as much as I should have been because you know one long program a day that's that's good but once push comes to shove and you're you're on that ice all alone and you have to do that long program I think there's a lot of thoughts running through the head and, you know, all of those gaps in your training will show. Yeah. And, and it's also totally fair that in training, you're focusing on new jumps, you know, especially in men's skating, you're always pushing the envelope with the quads and everything like that. In terms of programs and consistency in general, I think one of the things that I learned from training long programs, cause I hated long programs. And I, I only did one a day, just like you said, but I did so many sections over and over and over again. And the biggest thing that I've 
looked back on my career on and looked at my own long programs and been like, I was able to always skate them well in competition. And I think it's because the tactic my coaches and I had were no popping whatsoever. I Mm -hmm. had to rotate and that was the deal. And it was torture a lot of the time because if I did pop, the music was cut off and I had to start again. Mm -hmm. So even if I had a double axle at the very end of my long and I was doing like the entire program, if I popped that last axle, the whole thing didn't count and I had to do it again. Mm -hmm. And I would be like in tears, just like begging, please, please, please. Like I didn't mean to. Too bad. Go do it again. I I bet. I bet. But, you know, in competition, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you knew that no matter what, you were going to do that last axle. Exactly. It was like a, it was almost a mental training as well as the physical training because there was no question in my mind. I had to rotate. Like falling is okay, but no popping. Like that was the rule. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why in competition, I very rarely ever popped. Yeah. You train what you compete. If you constantly are training the same way for months at a time, then you can expect to see that at competition. Exactly. Exactly. So it's really all a part of the plan and training long-term. I think a lot of the times we as athletes look at our training as short-term, if we had a bad day, if we had a good day, if there's multiple bad days in a row, we're just kind of really hard on ourselves for that. But at the end of the day, it all lines up. It all stacks up. My mom actually used to keep an iPad and she would record all of my programs, like exactly what I did. I would never look at it. Like I didn't care if I had a bad day. I was like, whoop de doo Like I don't, I don't care if I fell today or whatever, but she recorded everything so that when I went to the competition, we saw how I performed. She could look back at all of the different long programs, all of the different short programs I did and see like which ones really truly added up to my performance. And that's, that's true for everything. You know, like you just got to keep pushing every day. It's the effort. It's, it's always just giving a hundred percent effort. It's not necessarily falling or popping or whatever. It's just like you're there every day, you know? Absolutely. Wow. You had a ledger and everything you can skip out. (laughs) I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for as the original sneaker marketplace eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. But yeah, so let's talk about, let's talk about mental training. Do you do any mental training? This is just a question I'm asking. I'm going to start asking many athletes because it's something as I keep talking to more and more skaters there isn't a lot of structure for the mental Mm -hmm. part of skating, which I think is crazy because that's really what makes a champion. It really separates the best of the best. There are so many kids that can do triples that can do quads that can skate well in practice, but there's only a tiny handful that can put it together 
on competition day in front of the judges when they're alone on the ice and they get one shot. And I think it has to do with the mental game, right? So what do you do to help your mental game? Yeah, I mean, it's changed as I have grown up and as I have changed. Like I used to talk to a sports psychologist and we would try to dissect what I was lacking in my training and the whys to the what, you know, what was bothering me and why that was happening and how could I become a better athlete. And then as I grew older, I started seeing uh, just a regular psychologist, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, whatever, just to talk to someone and talk through whatever's on my mind. And I found that more beneficial to my performance than, you know, talking with a sports psychologist about my performances. And I think many times when we see like an athlete or a skater that can't put something together due to like, you know, just like not being able to handle it mentally, I think it's uh, showing something lying underneath. You know, there's a more underlying issue that needs to be fixed in order for the tip of the iceberg to be the way you want it to be. It took me a, a while to figure that out. And I'm very glad that I did and that I could be more comfortable just with myself on and off the ice. And in turn, that influenced more positive training days and more positive performances. Yeah, absolutely. Was there ever a point in your skating career where things were just like always negative and you were kind of getting like, I hate doing this. I hate the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think for a while it was just tough to get myself into the rink and get to training and I would have been okay to just, I don't know if I would say stop forever, but stop for the time being of like that. I joked about it a lot, but that idea didn't sound bad for me at one point. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, obviously if you're coming into the rink every single day to train with that mentality that I don't want to be here, you're dragging yourself into there just to get yourself onto the ice because, you know, you're an athlete and you need to be training. It's tough to stay motivated. And then obviously you're going to notice more of the negatives when you're on the ice, if you're already in a negative headspace. Exactly. There's, there's so many sacrifices and time that is given up for our sport, for the passion that we're pursuing um, in any sport that you do, right? Not just figure skating. You give up very much like a specific life. Like you could be living a completely mm-hmm. different life if you weren't in the rink day in, day out. And then every single choice you make, you're always thinking about how it's going to affect skating, whether that be sleep, whether that be food, whether that be going to hang out with friends, like all of those things are going to in some way directly affect training. And so mm-hmm. in that way, we have to be a hundred percent in, and we have to be looking at it in a good light. And that was one of the things that my own parents were really trying to teach me as I got older and I started going to college and I started doing things. It was like, if you're going to step onto the ice and you're going to commit to training, you have to be not only a hundred percent in, but you have to be looking at it in the right light. If you're looking Mm -hmm. at it as like this negative thing, you have to be there, but you don't necessarily want to be there and it's just weighing you down. 
you that's not going to work, right? You're never going to reach a point where you're happy with whatever result you get. It has to be enjoying the process. It has to be enjoying the skating journey. And so finding my way back to loving just skating, loving the day-to-day process of the structure of training, that was kind of the biggest turnaround moment for me. So what was the turnaround moment for you? It's similar. It's along those lines. Um, I started asking myself the question if, is this worth it? Because I got to this point where I just had to answer it for myself. Like, am I going to dedicate all of myself to this or am I not? Because you're not going to get the result that you want if you're not 1000% into it and enjoying it. Yeah. You know, like, obviously the answer was no, I was not feeling like I wanted to dedicate my entire uh, life to this. I just didn't feel like I could or wanted to. But then you start to think, and I honestly wouldn't have any other life. Like I wouldn't go to school or full-time. Like, I don't know how you did high school, but mine was like go in for four periods. And then I left the second half of the day and went to go skate. So I got my schooling, um, but skating was mostly the priority. You know, once I realized that, you know, this is something I want to be doing and that I'm absolutely not jealous of people that didn't have these opportunities, like nobody else had a life like this, you know, except for our small figure skating community and like athletes that have literally changed the way they were raised in pursuit of this dream after like really diving deep into it. I wouldn't have it any other way. I think it makes our community and us as people like so special beyond that. I think being an athlete and learning how to manage so many things, but not make it look like you are teaches you life skills that you're going to carry with you you know, throughout any career that any of us choose to go into. Exactly. You couldn't have said it any better. The, both those things you just said, the whole fact about time management, that kind of skill, making it look easy when you have a million things going on. You know, any athlete, they, they kind of really relate to that. And it is such a great skill to have as you transition out of whatever that you do. Um, and that's something that I, I learned when I went to college and I was around so many kids that weren't in athletics or didn't have the same time commitment, right. That we spent doing skating, the time management skill was just not there. Like people did not really learn that until their end of their college career kind of. And that was so wild to me because I was like, I've been doing this since I'm seven, you know, skate at 5am, go to school, go back to the rink, you know, all of this different stuff. It's, it's definitely the whole point about pros and cons with skating. I think when you take a step back and you look at the whole picture and yeah, you look at all the opportunities that you get because of skating and because you're the best in skating, right? Like you get these crazy opportunities to go travel the world, to meet athletes from all over to be able to connect with people that you would never meet otherwise right there's so many amazing pros when it comes to skating and if you really value that and you think about you know this is what sets me apart this is what makes me special you're going to keep chasing that because again the second that you step out into the real world it can seem nice because all of a sudden all that weight is off your shoulders but then it's like where do I go from here 
Right. Like, which I mean, a lot of retired athletes kind of go through that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's definitely something that I try to tell a lot of kids when they come to me and they ask me about potentially quitting or whatever. I'm like, listen, what have you been able to do so far because of your sport? Do you value that? And if you do, you should probably continue for at least a little longer, you know, find the love again. So yeah, it's cool. Find the love again. Yeah. Basically in your career, uh, you moved to Colorado Springs at some point for training, right? You were with Christy Crawl and Eric Schultz and Josh Ferris, I believe. Mm-hmm. Funny story. I was competing or when I was competing and I was growing up in the ranks, uh, I was parallel to Josh. Like he was always in the same level or level above me, but I was always seeing him at like Broadmoor Open, Liberty, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. like all of that kind of stuff. Uh, oh, Liberty. Yeah. Oh, Liberty. I used to go there. <laughs> Even though I lived in California, I would fly across the country. That was like the cool competition. Yeah. I I this is totally besides the point. I remember when I was like nine years old at Liberty and that was like the cool competition. And we had like Jason Brown and Max Aaron and I even think uh Nathan might have been there one year and that was just like wow. Like nine years old watching these guys compete. I was completely and utterly fascinated by how these people could skate. <laughs> exactly I think both the Liberty competition and then I think there's also Skate Detroit and then there's also Glacier Falls it's like they have Mm -hmm. one major competition in the summer for each region or section I guess and those are probably my favorite competitions basically because you're not in a elite competition necessarily but you're against elite competitors and all of the normal like kids that train every day like they get to go watch and I think that's super special uh, because I would have loved to see that when I was, you know, nine years old. So it it's definitely, it's a really fun one. But yeah, I remember seeing Josh a lot when I was growing up. Uh, so I think it's super cool that you got a little touch of his talent in your team. But yeah, how did you like training in Colorado? Just because I know you were in Florida and going from sea level to that level of altitude must have been wild. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh like I moved to Colorado uh, to work with Christy and to train in a more elite environment because uh, where I skated in Florida, like I was the best skater in our rink and, you know, our rink was mostly recreational and there was just uh, tough. Uh, it was just tough to find motivation and tough to you know, train with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize how important that was until I had it. So once I got out to Colorado and started training in a camp alongside uh, my competitors isn't just great skaters, obviously you feel more motivated to push yourself and become better at what you're doing. And I really enjoyed my time in Colorado. I think I was I was out there for two and a half years, but I had uh, started coming for a couple weeks at a time before then. I really enjoyed it. Uh, We had like the Olympic Training Center and obviously with the altitude going to competitions at sea level, I felt great, you know, just training in the mountains. Like you can't can't compete with it. Um, It's the same as doing two long programs at sea level, you can do one in altitude. And so when you go to compete, you, 
almost have a little bit of a competitive edge that just in your in the second half of your program you're not as tired as some of your competitors maybe as far as altitude that's the most that I received from that (laughs) but it was a very good training environment for me at the time and I had a great relationship with my coach Christy Crawl and she uh, worked with me a lot and you know I feel like she made me a much better skater than how I came in there you know when I look at videos of myself from earlier in my career compared to after training uh with Christy for a couple years like I you know we made a lot of gains and I was working really hard during that time and uh my coach was very invested in the process and we had a very good environment uh but it it just kind of came to the point where I needed a change and I came out to LA to work with Rob and it's been amazing yeah do you like it out in California now I oh my god (laughs) oh man I just like looking at the snow in Colorado makes me really love where I'm at now it's tough to complain when I look out my window and it's just like blue skies almost every single day and And it's dry there's no humidity Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's, I for New Year's I took the top off of my car and I was driving around yes only in California can you take the top off of your car (laughs) in January (laughs) totally it's sick (laughs) but yeah that's that's really awesome so basically I mean transitioning into this last little piece where like how are you doing now how has training been going how have you been training during this pandemic you know so many skaters have really struggled um dealing with the rink closures and then getting ice time and then not having competitions anymore all of that kind of stuff you weren't at nationals this year what are your plans for future skating yeah i'll i'll answer all of those okay (laughs) so i wasn't at nationals this year i took this year off Part of that was I had a minor injury in the beginning of the season, and it just took me a bit longer to come back from than I had anticipated. And, you know, it was in the best interest of my body to let this heal up so that it doesn't become a chronic recurring injury in you know, the future of my career. Because, you know, I would like to keep skating for the time being. And... I absolutely love my life here in California. I'm not dragging myself into the rink every morning. I love to go and skate. It's the highlights of my day. I love to go and skate and train and push my body. Honestly, it was a while since I had felt that. And that just like love and joy for purely skating and purely remembering the reason why I chose it over any other sport was just because you could always challenge yourself more and you could always do something better just remembering that throughout the course of a season where competition wasn't the top priority on my mind I don't know I felt like that was very valuable and it 
allowed me to grow up as an athlete as well as a person you know now I feel like I'm a different skater you know I haven't done anything to really show my skating in since last junior worlds I'm so excited to get back out there I'm excited to go and compete like it's very happy to say the least That's awesome. I mean, everyone's really excited to see you back out there. Everyone's been wondering where you were. So I'm glad that we're able to have your voice speak right now and tell everybody, just wait a second, you'll be back soon. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, it's like, um, you know, if you're walking through a mall, and they're like building something new, but it's all blacked out. Mm -hmm. They just have one little sign. I would say that's how I feel about myself right now. Like, it's just, construction and it's work it's perfect I mean you got to build your house and then you can open the door right hell yeah there you go well Andrew I wish you the best of luck in the future I think you have a lot of talent and you could have a lot of success so please work hard and work smart (laughs) and I can't wait I can't wait to see how you do so thanks so much for coming on the podcast today awesome of course thank you so much for having me I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Please let me know what you think. Subscribe to my channel. Give me a rating. Give me a review. Follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this. My username is at Paulina Edmonds. And stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for them. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.